Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Murphy Houston. Welcome into another edition of Mile High Magazine, and I am Murphy Houston. We're glad to have you in there, and it's a beautiful Sunday. April is Child Abuse Awareness Month, and here to talk about that, we have Lori Poland, who's the NCAN Founding Executive Director, and uh, Dr. Richard Krugman, who's the NCAN Rate Board Chair. Do I have that right, Doc? That's correct. And Lori, welcome. Appreciate Thank having you. you in here. Uh, Lori, talk about what, since you found it, what NCAN stands for and what it really is. Yeah, so NCAN is the foundation, well, the national foundation to end child abuse and neglect. Um, And for short, we call it NCAN. Uh, The focus of our foundation is that there is a national uh, foundation that represents and helps support research, prevention, education, and training, and advocacy in nearly every disease, every type of cancer, uh, 20 different genes, and every body part. And yet there is no national foundation to do the same for child abuse and neglect. And so uh, Dr. Richard Krugman and I decided a couple of years ago that we would take that on because there was a big white space and something needed to be done, and here we are making it happen. Well, before we get Dr. Krugman talking about how you guys paired up, let's talk about why you may have paired up. Uh, Something happened back in 1983, even before my time in Denver, and maybe for a lot of folks that are here now listening, and if you don't mind sharing your story, let's do it. All right. So, yeah, in uh, 1983, I was playing in my front yard. I was a three-year-old little girl, and uh, my dad went inside to get a popsicle for my brother and I on a hot August day. And uh, while he was inside for just a few quick moments, uh, a stranger drove up in in an orange Datsun with a passenger door already open, and he leaned across the seat and asked if I liked candy. And like any sugar-loving three-year-old, I eagerly said yes. And uh, he said if I went with him that he would give me candy. So I hopped in the car, and we were gone within moments. And he took me up to the mountains here in Colorado and found an abandoned outhouse. And after abusing me pretty severely, he placed me 15 feet below ground in the outhouse pit toilet. And I was there for four days uh, until bird watchers heard me crying. And after many hours of trying to get me out, uh, they were able to successfully do so. And I was reunited with my family at the hospital. And then uh, shortly thereafter, just a couple of weeks later, I ended up at an um, agency called the Kemp Center. And they worked with children and families who had been abused. And Dr. Krugman was the director of the Kemp Center back then. And in uh, 1983, he became a very safe person for me. And it was a remarkable relationship then. And they they were pretty impactful in my life. And after, uh, you know, an ongoing life experience of challenge and dealing with an early trauma like that, I've just continued to push forward. And a few years ago, Dick and I reconnected, and he's an incredible man and very, very wise. And we've just had a blast doing this together and trying to make a difference in the world. So we're so excited. That's quite a story. Thank you. Wow. And you're, you seem fine, and you're out there you know, helping the cause now. Yeah. And so, and Dr. Krugman, tell us about your background a little bit. How You and Lori hooked up for a reason. Well, I, I came to Colorado in 1968 uh, because of Henry Kemp, who was the pediatrician who uh, coined the phrase battered child syndrome and really started this country's uh, efforts to try to deal with child abuse and neglect. Uh, Henry was an extraordinary uh, individual. 
Um, I was a general pediatrician. I spent a lot of time uh, doing other things, uh, but I had a very riveting case of abuse that I dealt with uh, the first night I was on the Denver General Hospital emergency room in 1968. I won't go through all the details, but it was a mother who brought in a baby who was dead. Uh, And when I reviewed the entire history of that mother and that baby, there had been 27 professionals in medicine, social work, law enforcement, uh, nursing, and elsewhere who could have prevented the death of the baby, and none of them did. Wow. And that struck me as uh, something that I was interested in and uh, needed to change. Uh, nobody wants to talk about child abuse. Nobody wants to see it, uh, and people shy away from it. It's called what I call gaze aversion. You turn your eyes away and hope it's something else. Well, that's a great analogy right there. Yeah. I like that word, gaze, yeah. because that's very true. You just look away and not happening, don't right. see it. Yep. That's and it wouldn't happen in our neighborhood anyway. No, no, that's exactly right. It's not happening in my place. Yeah. Well, and it's certainly a common response. I mean, yeah. human beings, it, when we experience a high level of emotion, the likelihood of us leaning into that is pretty oh, low. I mean, we, we all want to stay alive first. And when our subconscious mind is interacting with an emotion that's really strong, the first thing we want to do is either fight or flight. And the flight is the gazer version. And the fight is this desire to be angry and to cause harm and to get mad. And, you know, an eye for an eye mentality. It's very understandable, but it's not super effective. No, not at all. Yeah. So at what point, Dr. Krugman, did you team up with Lori or find Lori? How old was she at the time? She was three uh, when I ran the I ran the videotape, and the child psychiatrist I had recruited from England interviewed her, and she played out uh, precisely what happened to her over the time that she was uh, got from the time she got in the car to the mountains to the hospital she was brought to. And the, the police had asked us the question because she was also sitting in her mother's lap and picked her assailant out in a lineup. She said, Mommy, that's him. That's the bad man who put me in the hole. And the police said, well, can a three-year-old do that? Uh, is that reliable? And we said, it's reliable, but it's not admissible. So we did a video uh, interview where her uh, psychiatrist sort of pl- asked her questions, played things through. And his attorney got to cross-examine through, uh, his, uh, through the earphones of the psychiatrist and took a plea bargain because it was crystal clear that she knew precisely who her assailant was. And so that's when we first connected as she was in treatment for a while. We connected again when she was a senior in high school writing a term paper on child abuse and asked me for an interview. And I said, sure. I hadn't seen her in a decade. That was pretty exciting. Yeah, I bet that was. It was was (laughs) terrific. And uh, at that time, I was dean of the medical school. Uh, I've been dean of the CU Medical School here for 25 years until 2015. And at that point, we had reconnected, and every six months or so, we'd have lunch. And she said, well, what are you going to do next? And I said, (laughs) (laughs) I have an idea. (laughs) I have an idea. Uh, And I said, well, you know, I've watched, uh, I've watched, as Lori said before, Every single pediatric disease 
uh, cystic fibrosis, cancer, heart disease, polio. and all of the others, polio, all of them become hugely uh, better, if not eradicated, over the 50 years. And the one thing that stuck and stayed the same is child abuse, where there's still five children a day dying of abuse every day as there were back in the 60s. Still now, today, 2019. Because we have viewed it primarily as a social and a legal issue, and we have not viewed it as the health, mental health, and public health issue it is. So I said, you know, what they all have are things like the March of Dimes and the American Cancer Society. Very true. We need to do something like this for child abuse and neglect. And she said, I'd like to help. And I said, well, that's good because I've never operationalized anything. (laughs) (laughs) So then – so you two teamed up, and Lori, you, you probably started the ball rolling. Obviously, yeah. you're the the founding executive director. What were what were the next steps? Yeah. So from there, we spent um, our first eight months doing a listening tour, and we traveled all over the country, and we met with. Uh, hundreds of different folks, both in the field of child abuse and neglect and also outside. We we wanted to learn from other national foundations like American Heart and American uh, Foundation for Suicide Prevention and Zero to Three. And we wanted to learn from them and and not necessarily do things the hard way. Uh, we, we wanted to learn from their mistakes and adopt some of their successes and um, really have conversations about partnering. One of the biggest things that people don't understand is the correlation between child abuse and long-term health problems. So, you know, there's a a strong correlation between child abuse and neglect um, and cancer and diabetes and obesity and heart disease and all of those things that most people would think like, oh, this is just a a lifestyle issue that happens uh, when we're older. But the chances of you having those things significantly increase if you've been abused and neglected as a small child. And so we just don't understand that as a culture. And um, so a lot of these organizations, we had conversations first about what they're doing successfully. But then we also talked with them about potentially even partnering with them on doing research in their uh, focused area to understand the correlation between heart disease, per se, and child abuse. And so that um, they can advance their field. And we can also advance ours by having a better understanding of that. So we spent seven months doing that, and then we launched in June of 2018 here in Denver, and in September 2018 in Washington, D.C., on a national level. And ever since then, we have just been hitting the ground running. It has been fast and furious and a lot of fun. We, Dick and I travel all over the place talking at a variety of different conferences and with hundreds of different organizations. We've put out grants. We're raising money. We're trying to change the conversation through an advertising campaign. We're busy. It's been a lot of fun. My job is amazing. Well, it's not even a job. Right. Because I can tell. Look at her face, Doc. I mean, it's, I, don't, I don't think it's a job. We're, we're actually into this. Yeah. We're so, yeah this isn't a nine to five. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, let yeah, me ask so you, Doc. Excited. So before this, what did people view a, a child abuse as? It, not a disease. No. Uh, it wasn't viewed as a disease. It was uh, a view, viewed as uh, a, a social or legal issue because – The only time child abuse really hits the news is when a child dies. Uh, And there have been major Pulitzer Prize-winning articles over the years uh, in the Denver Post and the Atlanta Constitution and the Miami Herald pointing out that 
30, 40, or 50 percent of the child abuse deaths in the United States have open cases with Child Protective Services. So they are obviously not being protected. And the focus then is, well, they must need more help and more resources. One of the problems is that neither the child welfare agencies nor the juvenile courts uh, nor anyone else in the field have any idea as to what the impact of their intervention is. They don't look at outcomes. That's one of the other things we've got to focus on. We've actually done this in healthcare now. You can't get home from your doctor uh, or from the hospital before you have a survey saying, did you get all your questions answered? Did you have to wait too long? That's true. Yeah. Uh, Because about 20 years ago, we realized, in spite of growing up in medicine in the 60s, knowing I never made a mistake, we realized that we do make mistakes. Well, you're human. Yeah. And, And to err is human was uh, an important report in 1999 that pointed out that we had to be transparent about our mistakes, learn from them, see what our outcomes are. And then improve them. And improve them. Right. And make it better. And so we just haven't, my view has been we just haven't addressed this properly. It's not that it isn't a social problem. It is. It is a legal issue. It's illegal to kidnap a three-year-old and try to kill her. Uh, But it's also a health, mental health, and public health problem. And we are 40 years behind uh, in research in this area compared to every other area of medicine. So, Laurie, then, with what the doctor just said, What is your focus? Is it research? Is it training? Is it awareness? What are we looking at? Yeah, you know, it's all of that. So um, we are mirroring mirroring ourselves after some of those other national foundations um, that do this for, like, for instance, American Heart Association and American Cancer Society. Um, We intend to kind of take some of the weight off of other organizations in the field. The field of child abuse and neglect is a very siloed field. Every Department of Human Services has a different definition of what child abuse is. The way that they handle it is different. Every agency does it differently. Every uh, small nonprofit, everybody's just trying to do the best that they can, kind of with that downstream approach, pulling bodies out of the water, trying to resuscitate and keep kids, kids, kids and families alive. And and our intention is, okay, you guys keep doing that. And we're going to go upstream and we're just going to figure out why people are falling in the water in the first place and see if we can't fix that bridge. And through that focus, we intend to focus on all four areas of research, prevention, education and training, and advocacy. And advocacy isn't just like, let's change policy, let's go to the Hill and talk to all of our senators and stuff like that. It's more about changing the conversation for through an advocacy approach, um, using our media, using social media, engaging adult survivors who had nothing to do with child, or, uh, social services, sure. but experienced child abuse and neglect and are doing great things in the world. We want to learn from those people. We want to understand it. We want to see what works instead of focusing on what's wrong and what's not going right. We just want to put a little bit of positivity. I mean, I know that's hard to conceptualize for most of us when it's such an emotionally driven 
um, and an unacceptable thing, child abuse and neglect, and yet it keeps happening. So let's see what does work and spread more of that uh, as opposed to focusing on what's not happening. Wow, a lot of work you guys have accomplished in a short amount of time, it sounds like to me. We're talking to Lori Poland, who is the founding executive director of the National Foundation to End Child Abuse and Neglect, NCAN, and Dr. Richard Trugman, who's the board guy. He's he's kind of like the boss. He's the guy, chairman of the board. Uh, Chairman of the board. (laughs) Uh, Also the Uber driver. (laughs) He's amazing. (laughs) The man does it all. He does. I'm telling you. Well, let's talk about, you you mentioned it in research and how underfunded the research is into child abuse. It sounds horrific. Well, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm on the council of a National Institute for Child Health and Human Development. And every year, uh, that group, which has a $1.5 billion budget, uh, has about $4 million that it spends on research, which funds about three or four programs. Um, The whole National Institute of Health is a $35 billion agency, and less than $29 million, which is less than one-tenth of 1%, is spent on abuse and neglect because for years NIH, which is the driver of all of the research that has uh, abolished, uh, uh, almost abolished uh, childhood cancer, has almost abolished particularly leukemia. Uh, Cystic fibrosis is now in a much better place than when I was a child. All of that has ignored abuse and neglect. And so... And each of them has a 501c3, uh, Cancer Society, Juvenile Diabetes, every one of them, and they have been terrific. So we want to work with them because when, when we visited uh, folks at the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which is a wonderful organization, yeah, and they're it doing is. terrific work. But when you look at their grants, as we – I had the conversation with them. They've been giving $30 million of grants, which is more than NIH gives uh, for child abuse, the private organization does. And uh, over the last 20 years, they haven't funded a single grant on the relationship between child abuse and suicide. We know there's a relationship between child abuse and suicide. Not every suicide no. is an abused child, no. but enough that... And, and it's never been studied. So we asked them, we said, if we can raise a million or two to bring funds to you, uh, would you match them and start looking at the relationship of child abuse and suicide? And they said, absolutely. So because we're behind, we've got to leverage by going to eating disorders, obesity. Sure. Uh, heart disease. Heart disease, all of them. Uh, because... Our little foundation alone can't do the 40 years of catch-up by ourselves. Oh, no. We've this got is the starting point. Then, right, right. right. The yeah. and the, yep. I think the other big piece um, with the advocacy portion of our focus is, is similar. I mean, I, the advocacy piece will feed into prevention, education, and training, and the research, just in terms of um, – helping our culture understand and be able to talk more openly about child abuse and neglect, similarly to what we did with anti-smoking and teen pregnancy and LGBT and civil rights and all of those kind of what were originally seen AIDS seen as like a social issue. And once they were, we were more inclined and open to talk about them. 
we were able to make changes from a policy level all the way down to understanding research, doing some preventative work. And teen teen pregnancy has gone down 57% in the last 20 years just because we're talking about it and we're doing a lot of preventative work. And so we want to do the exact same thing with child abuse and neglect um, as some of those other uh, social movements have done as well. And and I think that it's time. I think as a culture, we're ready for that with some of the big um, issues and movements that have come out in the last few years with the sporting industry all the way um, over to the Me Too movement and Time's Up and all of those things. I think that it's high time that uh, we, we catch on to some of that for children and sure, families. Sure. We have to talk about it because yeah. if you don't say the words... It doesn't exist. Yeah. And everybody said to us, well, don't call it and child abuse and neglect. First of all, you'll never do it. And second of all, it turns people off. Uh, use, use a different term. Use uh, adverse childhood experiences or use trauma. And we deliberately said, Mm-mm. Call it what it is. It, yeah. You have to call it what it is if we're going to be able to address it in a way that we can actually do something about it. And part of that, one of my favorite lines that Dick introduced me to that Henry Kemp said is that abusive parents love their children. Very just much. Not very much. Just not very well. Oh, that's really great. And our yeah. job is to help them do it better. Yeah. And our other job is to figure out what takes uh, – why most abused children, like Lori, grow up and survive it and, and thrive. Do well. And do well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. do well, but others repeat the cycle. We have no idea. Wow. No research into that. None. None whatsoever. Well, we mentioned earlier at the start here, April is Child Abuse Awareness Month. And aren't you guys launching an awareness program or something now? Yeah. Louder Than Silence. Yeah. Okay. It's called Louder Than Silence. Well, talk about be, that. Yeah. It can be found on our website at www.endcan.org. And uh, it's also on our YouTube channel, the National Foundation to End Child Abuse and Neglect. It's on our Facebook page. It's on our Instagram. It's on our Twitter. And it's on our Reddit. Um, Even though I don't know. Any of that? I stuff. thought that was a ball player. <laughs> Reddit. <laughs> uh, it's on all of our social media platforms, and it's called Louder Than Silence. It's a minute and forty-seven seconds of music and words, and it's just bringing a voice through the power of words to child abuse and neglect and joining in the conversation that we have to be louder than silence. We can talk about this. We don't need to shame one another, silence one another, and hurt one another because we're scared and hurting ourselves. We can lean in and support each other and really truly make a difference by joining voices, uniting one another, and really supporting each other in wanting to be better human beings. Right, exactly. That's what we're all ultimately here for. We all want to matter. And we all want to do our do as best as we can with right. what we have. When we feel like we're we don't matter, hurt people hurt others, and we need to stop that. Good idea. Website, give us that information. Yeah, it's www.endcan.org. Endcan.org. Or you can type in the National Foundation to End Child Abuse and Neglect, and you'll find us there too. So I would imagine, Doc, and part of what you're trying to solve here, you want to hear from survivors. You we want do. to hear people that yeah. have been through what Lori's been through yep. and, and help with the cause. How, how yeah. we, how's that going? Well, it's uh, starting. Yeah, yeah. We, we've got a lot happening. We've, we've had a lot in our first year through uh, uh, three different, four, to, 
three different foundations and a lot of uh, family and friends. We've raised just about a million dollars in the first year. Wow. And uh, that's helped us uh, get launched. And but, put out five different grants and do a disruption paper and have our first national summit. That's right. We All have, in a year? All in a year. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we gave out three grants uh, to uh, pediatricians doing child abuse work to support their research because NIH didn't or wouldn't. And uh, we, we also asked the field if we were starting over, knowing everything we know now, would we do it the same way? Or how would we construct a system that could actually help children and families break the cycle uh, and do what we did with polio and uh, all of those other diseases? And the survivors we're looking for are, in essence, what used to be the mothers who marched for dimes and quarters to get rid of the physical crippler of their children. We want to get rid of the emotional crippler. The emotional, physical, and the health crippler. Correct. Thank Mm -hmm. you. It Mm -hmm. sounds to me like in the short amount of time you've been together officially, you've opened a can and stuff is just flying out. Yeah. Like people have held stuff back for so long, and you guys are saying, hey, let's talk about it. Right. Let's solve it. Right. Am I wrong about that? Not at all. One of the things that we've been, I mean, we were both really surprised. We thought we would come up against a lot more resistance than we have. Um, But people are hungry. I mean, everybody is just, again, going back to wanting to matter. Uh, When we can eliminate the shame um, and the anger around this and really start embracing one another, there we have been surprised at the response from constituents and followers and partners and other um, national organizations who are doing this work who want to collaborate and work together and join voices it has been phenomenal and a lot (laughs) so our one million went really fast has gone really fast and we just want to be as impactful as we can we're not interested in building this giant infrastructure we want to spread as much goodness out in the world through grants and fundraising um, and changing the conversation through the advocacy approach sure. uh, as we possibly can. We, so We have 2.5 paid staff and a, a chair of the board who pitches in. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> we make it happen. See how a little can go a long way? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it really does. So it's a wide net. <laughs> uh, exactly. So right now you're talking to a lot of people in the Denver metro area, state yeah. of Colorado, what can they do to help? How can they get involved? What do you need? Yeah. So, the, I mean, obviously the first thing we need is we need resources. We need people to come together and help with um, changing that conversation, to share the social media platforms that we have going, to join. Uh, they can You can sign up on our website to get our newsletter, to volunteer. Um, you can be a, a survivor voice if you want to be. Um, we are looking for volunteers and help for that as well as and the the big thing is is fundraising we're we're not uh, trying to compete with other 501c3s that depend on the federal government for funding. We are hoping that through grassroots fundraising and corporate sponsorship that we can really raise the funds necessary to make this change and do it a little bit differently than a lot of our, our a lot of our colleagues in the field. So uh, donate 
we're, share we're the also voice. adoptable. <laughs> um, I get that. No, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. serious. I we as people we're said to us, what, uh, <laughs> well, I, I don't know whether we're beyond it. I, if if there was a foundation, a large national foundation with a big grant enterprise, yeah. uh, that had just completed what it needed to do, or somebody decided they wanted to start one up if they won the lottery, uh, we could be a Adopted. I, we don't have to start the mechanics no. and the business sure, from I get scratch. That. I get that. I think we've got the ideas. I think we know the field. I think we know what needs to be done. Uh, but we're adoptable. It's <laughs> <laughs> a plug-in for adoption. Good job. <laughs> so we're getting ready to wrap up here. Yeah. Any final words, Lori, from your experiences and what you've done in a short amount of time here? You know, yeah, I think my final word is that I, I get it. Like, I get how hard this is. I get how painful it is. I also really understand the ripple effect of child abuse. And it's kind of like poison. One drop can ruin the whole barrel of water. Um I understand the impacts and 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 that's okay. Like it is going to be hard. It sure. this is not going to be easy. And I just ask people to join me in being the light and having a stronger voice and being more empathic and really creating the change necessary to do this from a positive um influential like let's do it better. Let's raise our kids better and and ra- and help our adults heal better so that they can be better parents and better friends and better neighbors and better grandparents like let's just love and be kind and I, I mean I could go on but that that would be my strongest message right now and a great way to end today Lori thank you appreciate that Lori Poland who's the founding executive director of the National Foundation to end child abuse and neglect better known as NCAN and dr. Richard Krugman who's the board chair you guys are Angels on Earth. Mm, I really think you. you're making a difference in a short amount of time. I really do. Thank I appreciate, you, I appreciate you having us. Well, yeah. let's hope it helps get the word out there and people Absolutely. will say, I need to talk about this. Yeah. I need to get involved. Yeah. And We'd that's why that. we're here today. And thanks for coming thanks in. Thanks so much. Thank you. Right? And thank you guys for listening. I am Murphy Houston. It's Mile High Magazine. Hope you enjoyed the conversation and we'll take some action and get involved to help out. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for being there.